One of the great benefits of reading the book of Psalms is that the Psalms present us with patterns of life that the people of God experience in every age. Every shifting mood of human emotion from the highest high to the lowest low is encapsulated in the book of Psalms. In Psalm number 40, we are allowed a glimpse into the heart of King David. There is some dispute as to when this psalm was written some Old Testament scholars think it may have been written during the time when David was running and hiding from King Saul. Others contend that it may have originated with the betrayal of Ahithophel and the rebellion of his own son Absalom. Nevertheless, David is speaking about a time in his life when he felt trapped in a helpless and hopeless situation. But even in that dreadful time of darkness and fear, God heard his cry, reached into the pit, and lifted him out. Psalm number 40, as are many of the psalms of lament, is also a liturgy of supplication. Near disaster and death were turned into victory and stability. And a hymn of praise in verse number 3 had been sung. The hymn of praise was in all probability a victory hymn celebrating not only God's deliverance but also the impact of God's deliverance on those outside the circumstances who were watching God work. Uh, brothers and sisters, we look at what God has done in somebody else's life. We look at how God has delivered in somebody else's situation. And the Bible says they will look and see God's acts and they will fear and put their trust in the Lord. The fear that the scripture is talking about here is distinct from terror, but encompasses attitudes of awe and reverence a fear which results in serving God and obeying his commands. Moreover, brothers and sisters, it is not too much to say in this text that fearing God is virtually synonymous 
with having saving faith in God. Let's look at verse number one and find God's tenderness. God's tenderness. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. God's tenderness. Brothers and sisters, one of the reasons I think that God loved David so much and called David a man after his own heart, I think one of the reasons God loved David so much was because David cried so much. I think God loved him so much because David was tenderhearted. He cried a lot. Psalm number six, verse six says, I am weary with groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Psalm 56 and verse eight says, put thou my tears in a bottle. It is a beautiful thing when a broken man or a broken woman genuinely cries out to God because God delights to answer childlike prayers. But now hear me, brothers and sisters. Make sure when you cry out that your cry is to God and for God and not to man and for man. Some people are willing to admit that they need help but they will seek it anywhere but from the Lord. Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Listen, I have nothing against therapy. I have nothing against psychiatrists. God gave these people knowledge and they've gone to college to, to hone their skills and we ought to see a therapist if we need one. We ought to see a psychiatrist if we're having a mental breakdown. But after you get yourself together and get off the psychiatrist's couch and get off the chair at the office of the psychologist, make your way to church. Because there's only so much a psychologist or a psychiatrist can do. You need the power of the living God. Um, Pastor I.B. Hilliard, uh, over at the New Light Church, I heard him on TV last night remark on the difference between therapy and ministry. I wish I had to say this. Ivy Hilliard said the difference between therapy and ministry is that therapy relieves, ministry delivers. I wish I would have said that. Therapy relieves, but ministry delivers. Because in therapy, you got to keep going back. But when the Lord solves your situation, you can tell somebody if it had not been. I wish I had a witness here. I wish I had somebody whose back was up against the wall and the Lord stepped in right in the nick of time and kept you from losing your mind 
and God's been good to you, you ought to be able to tell somebody, I never would have made it if God hadn't come to my rescue. I waited patiently on the Lord. And he inclined his ear to me and heard my cry. To wait patiently for the Lord, or more literally, to wait intently for the Lord. When you wait patiently on God, it guards us from unbelief when God's help seems delayed. God does not operate on deadlines. God does not move on schedules. God does not come when we think he ought to come. He hurries or he halts as he determines by his own counsel. David tells us that the Lord inclined unto me and heard my cry. That, that word inclined is a pregnant word. He inclined unto me. That word inclined means that the Lord stretched out his hand to me because when I could not reach him, like my daddy said, he wretched me. He inclined, he, he leaned down because I couldn't reach up. Oh, let me see if I can make that make sense. Um, I love Charlie Brown. Um, the Peanuts character, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown ought to know by now that Lucy is going to pull that football away. But he falls for it every time. By now, Charlie Brown should have gotten a better Christmas tree. But he keeps going back to get that same Christmas tree every Christmas. And his friend said, boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown. But Charlie Brown was trying to get some birds to get in a barn. And then Charlie said, if, if he called the birds, perhaps they would just fly into the barn. He called them, and nothing happened. So Charlie Brown's figured if he got a broom and tried to sweep them in the barn, they would get in the barn that way. But the more he swept, the more they scattered. And so Charlie Brown decided to dress like a scarecrow and he would scare them into the barn. Nothing worked. Lucy said again, boy, are you stupid, Charlie Brown? He thought if he would call the birds, they would come. Or if he swept the birds, they would get in. Or if he dressed like a scarecrow and scared the birds, they would get in. And then Charlie Brown thought to himself, and Charlie Brown was preaching without knowing it. He said to himself, if I could talk bird talk, and become like a bird, maybe I could get them to understand that I'm their friend and I'm not trying to do them any harm. Can I help somebody this morning? That's what happened at Bethlehem in Judea. God called us and we wouldn't come. 
God swept us and we wouldn't come. He tried to terrify us and we wouldn't come. So he became like one of us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are in this church this morning because God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's God's tenderness. I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined to me. But in verse 2, there's God's touch. Because if God's going to get you out of the pit, he's got to put his hands on you. He's got to touch you. Look at verse 2. He drew me up from a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock the King James says, and established my goings. A horrible pit. Miry clay. That refers to a roaring or a tumult like stormy waves. David doesn't have a headache. David is not complaining about a sore shoulder. Let me, let me see if I can paint the picture for us. It is as if David had fallen into a deep, dark well and plunged into Hurricane Katrina, only it was storming underground. Now, Hurricane Katrina is bad enough on the land, but imagine being in a hurricane underground. And some folk are in this church this morning or watching us on social media platforms with a hurricane going on in your life underground. There's a storm that you're not talking about. There's a circumstance that nobody knows about but you and God. And you are in this church this morning and it looked like everything is going well but underneath you are in a deep dark well with a hurricane underground. And to make bad matters worse alongside that picture is the image of mud and miry clay. It is the sense of helplessness, desperation, and utter hopelessness if God does not come to the rescue. And David indicates that God did not just see him in the mud. God did not just listen when he cried. But God got in the pit with him and lifted him out of it. But in order for God to lift him out of it, God needed to touch him. Let me see if I can help somebody this morning. Stop listening to people who don't go to church and who haven't been through anything trying to tell you how to live life 
Because unless you've been through something and God has brought you out of that something, all you're doing is talking. That, that, that's just a whole lot of noise you're making. But I need somebody who's a witness that I was in the miry clay. My feet were in the mud. And the more I tried to get out, the deeper I sunk in. But one day God came to my rescue. Have I got a witness here? And I'm not just talking about what I heard. I'm testifying to what I know. Now, I worked on this all night. This, this is the best part of this sermon. David is in the pit. And you can't listen to everybody when you're in the pit. Matter of fact, some folk want to see you in the pit. Can't listen to everybody when you're in the pit. If a legalist had come by, he would have preached a sermon about the dangers of falling in the pit. If a religionist had come by, he would have talked about 12 steps to get out of the pit and avoid pits in the future. If a pessimist had walked by, he would have said, you're going to die in that pit. If an optimist had come by, he would have said, it could be worse. I know you're in the pit, but look on the bright side. If a realist had come by, he would have said, it is what it is. If a spiritualist, name it and claim it person had come by, he would have said, don't claim the pit. There's no pit there. But when Jesus came by, he got in the pit with David and lifted him out. Here, listen, listen. Here's what I love about God. God sees you in your fiery furnace and he'll get in there with you. God sees you in your lion's den and he'll get in there with you. God sees you in your Philippian jail and he'll get in there with you. God sees you in the mess you made of your life. And instead of reminding you that you got in it on your own, he'll get in there with you. I don't need nobody telling me I'm on dope. I know that. I don't need nobody telling me I'm an alcoholic. I know that. What can wash away my sin? Not your advice. Not your criticism. Not your ridicule. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. People who are hurting don't need you to add to their hurts with your scripture recall. My heart is broken. And you coming in here talking about bring all the tides in the storehouse. You ain't even using the right scripture. 
I mean, if you're going to quote scripture, at least quote the right one. Here my mama's dead and you come in here talking about you can't beat God giving. No matter how you try, the more you give. That's, that's true, but it ain't got nothing to do with the pain that I'm in. He took my feet out of the miry clay. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a world of difference between quicksand and a rock. Some folk you hanging with are quicksand. You need to get with some folk who are rock solid. Because the more you with them, the more depressed you're going to be, the more down you're going to be. And before you know it, you start talking just like them. You'll start acting just like them. But if you get with some folk who are rock solid and trust God no matter what the day brings, you'll find yourself smiling when ain't nothing funny. I, I, I was going to save it till the end of the message, but, but you have my permission right now. If you're sitting by some quicksand, get up right now and find you some rock to sit next to. Because let me, let me, let me tell you what I mean by the ripple effect of praise. When you see somebody yawning, you don't even have to yawn and you just involuntarily yawn because they are yawning. If you walk up to somebody and they are smiling at you, you don't even know what they are smiling about, but you involuntarily return the smile. Somebody ought to help me preach it. If you see somebody praising God, you don't even know what they are happy about, but that praise has a ripple effect. It's contagious. And before you know it, you start clapping. You start waving your hands. You start giving God glory. And the ripple effect of praise is if you keep on praising, even if God hasn't answered your prayers yet, he'll come through. He took my feet out of the miry clay and put them on a rock. Brothers and sisters, quicksand is desperation. A rock is security. The issue for David could have been the healing of some disease in Psalm number 30 or deliverance from his enemies in Psalm number 69. Or it may be, have been deliverance from the oppressive sin and guilt he felt after committing sin and confessing it in Psalm 51. No matter what the deliverance is, God can deliver from whatever sort of pit and mire we find ourselves in. And his servants can find deliverance from any plight that would eventually destroy your faith. Um, let me see if I can get this over to us. Uh, he put my foot on a rock 
and he established my goings. That, that word established my goings means he, he fixed my steps. Uh, I still didn't get that over to you. It's something like this. When, when you are teaching a child how to walk and you're holding that child's hands and then pretty soon the child gets smart enough to put their feet on your feet and they are walking with their feet on your feet and they look like they're really walking. They think that they are really walking but they are just going where you take them because they are walking on your feet. When God establishes our goings, we put our feet on God's feet and it looked like we are walking, but we're just going where God is taking us. And sometimes we want to go to something wrong and God just steers us in another direction. I wish I had somebody who could help me here. You're doing the right thing, not because you're so holy. You just got your feet on God's feet. And God is just walking you in the direction that he wants. The steps of a good man are up by the Lord. All of my steps in your word. Um, that's God's tenderness. That's God's touch. But in verse 3, I want you to see God's transformation. Verse 3 says, he put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as I heard to the close, you can tell everything about a person's world view by what provokes their outrage and what evokes their sympathy. You can tell everything about who a person is. You can tell everything about a person's world view by what provokes their outrage and what evokes their sympathy. People who never sing are people who don't cherish anything very deeply. People who don't have a song, who never sing in the worship. You don't even sing in the shower. You don't sing in the car. You don't sing at your house. You don't sing when you're by yourself. You don't sing in the midst of the congregation of the people of God. Now I understand, there's some music that you don't like. There's a whole lot of music that I don't like. I, don't, I, don't, I hardly ever have my, my, my radio turned on to, to music. I listen to uh, XM radio because I listen to MSNBC and CNN. I like the news, I like sports sometimes. And I don't listen to a whole lot of 97.9 and, and I don't listen to a whole lot of uh, uh, stations because a whole lot of that stuff, I don't understand. I, I don't know if it's my age. I don't know if I'm just grouching now that I'm over 60. But, but I like music that I can understand. I don't understand a whole lot of this rap stuff. It's, it's got a good beat, but it ain't got nothing to say. 
My pastor is B.B. King. I've been downhearted, woman, ever since the day we met. Because life with you ain't nothing but the blues. How blue can you get? I bought you a brand new Ford. You said I want a Cadillac. I bought you a $10 dinner. You said it was just a snack. I let you live in my penthouse. You said it was just a shack. I gave you seven children. I see I got some more members in B.B. King's church. I like music I can understand. But now when I leave my, my, my pastor, B.B., I like to listen to Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Since Jesus came into my heart, people who do not sing, do not cherish anything very deeply, or feel intense gratitude for anything. If you don't sing, it's because you don't feel intense gratitude. One of the signs the Bible says you know you've been saved is that there is melody in your heart unto the Lord. Even if you can't carry a note to the post office, you still got a song in your heart. Uh, brothers and sisters, one of the ways God keeps us grateful, I said one of the ways God keeps us grateful is by letting us fall in the pit. He lets us fall into the pit and then he leaves us there a while and then he brings us out into the sunshine and the fresh air of his grace. And if God needs to, he will hide himself for a season until we crave him as a drowning person craves air. Psalm 42 and verse 1 says, As the deer panteth after the water brook. I wish I had a Bible reader here. So panteth my soul after thee, O God. And when God shows himself again and we come gasping into his presence, we sing like we've never sung before. Somebody's in here this morning who will help me close this little sermon and help me testify that what you and I have been through or what we are now going through is not always for you. What God brought you through was not always for you. Sometimes his aim is not only to our benefit, but to the benefit of others who have to go through the same thing we went through. I was preaching at the, at the Mount Rose Baptist Church uh, in Dallas uh, not long ago. And uh, when I got through preaching, an older man came up to me 
and he had written down the sermon that I preached when I had just gotten out of the hospital after my months away from the pulpit. Uh, the, the, the first sermon I preached after being uh, out of the hospital and out of rehabilitation and back in the pulpit was, was, was uh, about this matter of how God delivers us in our suffering. It, it, it had to do with suffering. It, it's, it, it was in Corinthians where Paul said, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me for when I am weak, then am I strong. Uh, the probative value of suffering. He, he came up to me with the sermon written down, gave it to me and he said, Reverend, I want you to know that that sermon changed my life. He said, I'm 74 years old, and when I heard that sermon, I'd never been baptized. After I heard you preach about how God brings you out of suffering, I joined church and got baptized. I am a Christian now because of what I heard you preach. If it were not just for that one person, my suffering was worth it. If what I went through helped one man to come to Christ, it was worth it. Don't grumble when God sends you through what you have to go through. Don't complain when God sends you through what you have to go through because the person seated next to you might go through the same situation you went through and when you come back and tell them what God did for you, it will be a benefit for them. Uh, let me say this last thing about praise and then I'm going to be through. He put a new song in my mouth. Um, you have all been to a college graduation. College graduation and, and, and the smart students in the college graduation, I've always been envious of the smart students uh, in college graduations because there are some who graduate cum laude. Uh, that's, that's graduating with, with with distinction. And then there are those who are a little bit smarter who graduate magna cum laude. They, they are graduating not with distinction but with great distinction. And then there are those who are the creme de la creme. They graduate summa cum laude which is the highest distinction. When it comes to this business of praise, there's cum laude praise and magna cum laude praise and summa cum laude praise. Cum laude praise is for a friend who's been nice to you, so you give them some cum laude praise. Magna cum laude it's for somebody who's been more than nice. They've been merciful. They've gone out of their way to show you a kindness. That's, that's a little bit better than cum laude praise. That's magna cum laude praise. But now summa cum laude is reserved for only one person. Somebody ought to help me close here. Your friend seated next to you is deserving perhaps of cum laude praise. Your mama and daddy deserve magna cum laude praise. But only God himself 
deserves summa cum laude praise. Because he woke me up this morning. He put food on my table. He made my enemies my footstool. He was a doctor when I was sick. A lawyer when I was in trouble. So I just feel like praising him for a minute or two. You don't mind if I offer him some summa, summa cum laude praise, do you? Thank you, Reverend Washington, for being my associate pastor. You deserve cum laude praise. Thank you, Lily Grove members, for joining this church and following my leadership. You deserve magna cum laude praise. But there's only one person in here this morning who deserves summa cum laude praise. You, gonna, you, you don't mind if I give him summa cum laude praise, do you? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate both day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's summa cum laude praise. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, you can help me praise him. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup is just running over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's summa cum laude praise. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, but he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord 
strong and mighty the lord mighty in the battle that's summa cum laude praise the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid when the wicked even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh they stumbled and fell though a host should encamp against me in this will i be confident one thing have i desired of the lord that will i seek after that i may dwell in the house of the lord all the days of my life in the time of trouble in the time of trouble he will hide me that's summa cum laude praise he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty i will say of the lord he's my refuge and my fortress my god in him will i put my trust that's summa cum laude praise i will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the lord that's summa cum laude praise but i don't need david this morning i don't need moses this morning i don't need hezekiah this morning i got a new song in my heart i got a fresh song god already gave me this joy that i have the world didn't give it to me the world can't take it away the reason i shout so much the reason i holler so much is because one friday on a hill called calvary he died didn't he die but early sunday morning he got up from the grave and one wednesday down in louisiana he got up in my soul is there anybody here got your own song is there anybody here got your own testimony is there anybody here no god kept you he never left you he's been a mother for you he's been a doctor for you he's been bridge over trouble of water a rock in a weary land a shelter in a time of storm why don't you look at somebody why don't you tell somebody if it had not been if it had not been if it had not been for the lord who was on my side if it had not been for jesus who saved me if it had not been that the lord came to my rescue
if it had not been I wish I had a witness here if God's been good to you if God's opened the door for you if God answered a prayer for you if God dried a tear for you tell him thank you thank you thank you thank you when praises go up blessings come down thank you thank you I know he's Walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I am his own, and the joy. Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Let me see it in your testimony. Let me see it in your shout. Let me see it in your witness. Let me see it in your hands waving. Why don't you ask somebody? Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Real joy. I know he's all